Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. I wonder if you've ever walked into a room and forgotten why you came in. <laughs> Happens to me at least once a day. Um, and I find it's, it's actually sort of when we're getting ready, like getting breakfast ready in the mornings. Because we make breakfast for all the kids and, and that's a stack of fun. And, and, um, and I find myself going to one part of the cupboard and getting out a few condiments and bits and pieces for toast and crumpets and stuff. And then going back to the other side of the kitchen completely bewildered in terms of what exactly I was there to achieve. It could be because it was, you know, it's like half past six in the morning or something like that. But one of those things, and I don't know why it happens. Have you ever had that experience lately? Some, who's had it today, this morning? Y'all had it at least once here since I got here to church. Um, but that's just the way it goes. So it's, a, it's this phenomenon that exists for all of us at different times, and I, to be honest, I've never really researched as to why it happens, but it's something about our human nature that every now and again, we look around and we forget why it is that we walked in. And I wonder this morning why you walked in to church today. Why are you here? What was your reason for coming? And one, I could expand that out a little bit more, and beyond you, just you personally, maybe I could ask the question, why are we here? What are, what are we doing here? And I think it's a good question to stop and ask ourselves sometimes. Just to recalibrate our thinking about what it is that we are here to achieve and why it is that we came to be. And I think that's no greater, there's no more significant question for us to ask ourselves as a local church, as a gathering of followers of Jesus than to remind ourselves and ask ourselves this question, why are we here? How did we come to be? Whose fault is it that we are here? Whose idea was it? Because unless we stop and ask ourselves those questions on a semi-regular basis, we lose sight of where it is that we were meant to be going. And we lose sight, as we'll discover. We lose sight of the heart behind why we're here in the first place, and we lose sight of whose power it is that we live in. And I think it's a significant day to be able to talk about this, because today is Pentecost Sunday. It's the day, as we'll read in a minute, of the day that, that as promised, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, was poured out upon humanity. And not just in a, in a specific way, as it had been in, in moments in time across ages past, when one person would be anointed with the Spirit of God and, and that person would be a prophet and that person would speak the truth of God into the nation of Israel or into a broader context at different times. That's, the, that's a specific anointing of the Spirit. But what we celebrate at Pentecost is the Spirit being poured out upon all people, upon all flesh. 
a gift that, as we'll discover, Jesus promised would happen. And I think the reason that this is so important for us to ask questions about, this is the reason it's so important for us to be reminded of, is that we live in an age of distraction, don't we? They're quite separate to the idea of us forgetting why it is we came into the room. So often we forget about what we're doing and why because we get distracted by something else. How long did it take you to pick up your smartphone this morning? If you own one, how long did it take you to pick up your smartphone this morning after waking up? 10 seconds? 20? 30? 40? Some of you are going, I don't know what a smartphone is. What about the newspaper? What about the news? Did anyone pick up their Bible before they picked up their phone or the paper? I'm wondering. Because we live in this age of distraction where everything seems more interesting. Not because it's good news, but because it's bad news. Bad news sells. And so we find ourselves in an age where we are distracted by all the brokenness and the negativity and the stuff going on. The comparison with others, all that serves to distract us from who we are and what we're called to do and to be in the world. And so I want to spend just a few minutes today recalibrating us. And, and as followers of Jesus, I think this matters because we get distracted as a church. The church, I don't know if you've ever noticed, trends towards comfort. Doesn't quite feel like it right now. It's pretty cold in here. But our, ch- our church, the church in general, trends towards being comfortable over being edgy and being about others. We do. It's human nature. There's nothing wrong with us in that sense. It's just the way it works. So the church trends towards being comfortable. The church trends towards being something perhaps less than it should be. And Pentecost today serves as a reminder of us to recalibrate just once again. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, I think I want to take you back. If you've never been to church before, if you have no idea what all of this is about, if you're joining us online and that's your story, I want to take you back to the beginning, back to before all of this, all the ritual, before all of the extra stuff that we as Christian tradition have laid upon the gospel message, which in many ways, those things aren't necessarily bad, but sometimes they distract us from the central message. And so I want to take you back, if you're not a follower of Jesus, to where it all began, to where the church began and what that really means for us. So if you've got your Bible with you, I want to, I want to open Scripture to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew is the first account of Jesus' life and ministry we find in the Bible. It's in the New Testament. We pick up in Matthew chapter 16. And Jesus is with his disciples, his 12 followers, and, and they have a discussion. In verse 13, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, I've got a question for you. Who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? What are people saying about me on Instagram? What's my Facebook profile saying? 
What, who do people say that I am? Who do, who do people say the Son of Man is? That's the term Jesus used for himself. And they replied, well, some people, they say, you're John the Baptist. Others say that you're Elijah, one of the prophets of the Old Testament. And still others say you're Jeremiah, one of the other significant prophets from the time of Israel. Jesus responds to them, okay, that's interesting. Well, but okay, so what about you? Who do you say that I am? Regardless of what everyone else is thinking, what, who do you say I am? What do you think? Jesus responds. And Simon Peter, the one that most of us can relate, the disciple we can most relate to often, because he's the one who opens his mouth too quickly, and says strange things. He's the one who was impetuous. He's the one who was a little bit all over the place. He's ultimately the one who denied Jesus later on. We'll get to that another day. But at this moment, he's on the money. Simon Peter answers, well, you're the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. Jesus, you are the one that we've been waiting for for all of these years. You are the Messiah. You're the one that we had been waiting for. You're the one that's going to renew everything. You're the one that's going to transform the world. You're the one that they've been talking about for hundreds of years in the Scriptures, teaching about. We've heard the scribes teach about it. We've heard all sorts of people teach about the one that is to come. Jesus, you're the one. I believe it. You are the one. And Jesus responds to Peter. He says, blessed are you. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and by blood, but by my Father in heaven. You would not have been able to see this for what it is without God's help. God has blessed you in this moment to see me for who I am, he says. And I tell you, that you are now to be called Peter. He was previously Simon. Now he's to be called Peter. Petros. Why? Because on this rock, that's what Peter means, rock. On this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, or death, will not overcome. On this rock I will build my church. Notice the words here. Notice the imperative. Notice the who. Who's building the church? Jesus is going to build the church. What's it being built on? It's being built on the rock of the declaration of who Jesus is. Jesus says, you know what? Of everyone here, you got this right. You know who I am. And on that truth, that truth will become the foundation of everything that I am going to do from here on. On that rock of truth, on you, Peter, I am going to build my church. And it's not a building, by the way. The word in the original text is ecclesia. Say that with me, church. Ecclesia. Need a bit of extra phlegm on it. Ecclesia. Fortunately, it's winter. You can got a bit of phlegm handy. Um, ecclesia. Ecclesia means gathering. Means gathering of people. And so, friends, if you hear nothing else, hear this. 
when the church was Jesus' idea, and when Jesus planned for the church, he didn't plan for buildings. He planned for a movement of people. And so if you hear nothing else, hear that the church is not a building. The church is you. The church is anyone, anywhere that would declare Jesus as the Messiah, Jesus as the Lord, Jesus as the Son of the living God. Friends, that is who the church is. And the church exists because Jesus decided that was how he wanted things to happen. So friends, this morning we exist, we are here because it was Jesus' idea. I will build my church. So the church, friends, was God's idea. But it's something else I want to remind you of, was that whilst the church was God's idea, the church was also done in God's timing. I want us to jump forward to Acts chapter 1. For context, the book of Acts is the stories and the accounts of the early church. At the end of Jesus' ministry, the author Luke, Luke's gospel, writes Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. And we hear in this Jesus' final words to his disciples, starting in verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them, that is the disciples, this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. This is after Jesus has died and been resurrected, by the way. It's an important point. He gives them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, that is John the baptizer, the one that baptized Jesus, Jesus' cousin. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, in a short time, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Then they gathered around him, and they asked him, Lord, at this time, are you going to usher in your kingdom? Is now the time? Is this, is this what we've been waiting for? Are you now going to conquer the world? Because we kind of need your help. Rome is here. We don't want them here. Lord, is now the time you're going to restore your kingdom? Is this the moment? And he says, it's not for you to know. Verse 7. It's not for you to know the, the dates or times that the Father has set out. That's God's plan, and God will bring it about in his time. But you, all of that, that's God's to concern. But you, this is your concern, he says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Once the Holy Spirit, please wait here until the Holy Spirit comes. And once it does, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We get the picture of, an, if you look at it on a map, it's, a, it's circles of influence. Like a pond, you see it rippling out. 
That's what it looks like on a map in, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When you think about it, there was no aeroplanes. Most of these people had never gone more than 50 kilometers from their hometown. And so for them to even comprehend, most of them may have never even been to Samaria. Most of them probably hadn't been, as Jews, wouldn't have been to Samaria. So they're going, hang on, Jesus. You're telling us by the power of what you're going to give us, your message is going to get that far. We've never been that far. How's that going to work? And Jesus says, wait for it. Wait for it. And so, friends, a word for this morning, perhaps, is that the church exists because it was Jesus' idea, but it also exists because in Jesus' timing. It exists in Jesus' timing. If I'm honest, I'm an impetuous sort of person. You know that. You've seen me leave for nearly five years now. Some of you know that absolutely to be true. And impetuous to a fault, if I'm honest. Sometimes I just see where it is that we need to go, and I just want to get there. And I wonder if the disciples felt the same way. That in that moment, they're saying, well, Jesus, you said you were going to bless us, and you said we've got a message to give. So why do we have to wait for it? Give it to us now, and then we'll just go. If you died, and, and, and now you're alive having a meal with us, that's good news. Can we just take it and go? And Jesus says, no, you've got to wait. Wait until the timing is right. And they didn't know what the Holy Spirit really meant. They had no experience of that in any sort of significant way. Apart from Jesus' ministry. And so they're left with this sort of, you need to wait for it. And I do wonder sometimes in the, in the life of the church, where sometimes we're so busy that we never stop to ask Jesus what time he thinks we should move. How long we should be waiting. What it is that he has planned. Because I do wonder sometimes what would have happened if the, if the disciples had just moved. If they'd just taken the good news of the gospel and gone into the world and spread it. I wonder how far it would have gotten. Oh, this is bugging me today. I wonder how far it would have gotten. 10 kilometers? 20? 30? I don't know. But all we've got is the guy that knew the plan told them to wait, which means we've got to believe. The implication of that is that Jesus knew the plan, so we've got to trust that Jesus' way was the best way. And friends, I wonder sometimes in the rhythm and life of the church if we never stop to think about what Jesus' way would be. And we get busy doing stuff. We never stop to ask the question, Jesus, was this your idea? And Jesus, is this your timing? Is this what you want to do, and is this when you want to do it? And if, if I'm honest with you, church, if I'm honest with you, some of the greatest, I think some of the greatest pain that I've ever experienced in leadership has been when I rushed the work of God. I assumed that I knew what was the right thing to do, and I assumed that with that, that would be enough that the right direction and the right thing to do was enough. And it cost a whole lot more than I expected it to. Why? I believe it's because it was the right direction with the wrong timing. The right direction with the wrong 
timing. And those of you that have been around this church for a few years now would know some of those stories of moments of, I'll call it what it is, moments of impetuous leadership. And, the, and it hurt people. And it took, it made people decide, actually, to be honest, we don't want to do this here with you anymore. And there's been moments, and this was something God convicted me about with this passage. I don't even know if I'm going to get to the rest of this yet. But something God convicted me about this week was how much timing matters. Because when we miss it, we miss the power that God wants to unleash through His ministry in the world. The church was God's idea. And it was God's idea to be enacted with God's power in God's timing. So when we move before God says to move, we actually risk moving without His power. And we miss the impact that God can have. Over these last few weeks, we've been exploring questions. Questions about how to live with better decisions and make better decisions and live with fewer regrets. And one of the questions was, what was the wise thing to do? Based on our past experiences, our current circumstances, and our future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? And friends, I think a, a calling for the church at this time is for us to ask ourselves the question, based on our past experiences and what Scriptures tell us, based on where we are and based on where it is that God wants us to go, we feel God wants us to go, what is the wise thing to do? And sometimes that's to do with timing. To do with timing. So perhaps a challenge for us as a church this morning. Where have we been trying to push God's timing? And instead we just need to stop and be still. My supervisor this last uh, two weeks ago, we had a discussion about what it is that my objective should be for the rest of the year. And after some prayer and some thinking about it, with his wisdom, he just said to me, Josh, I think you've got two jobs for the rest of the year. One of them you already know about, it's to explore a, a staff member around children and families, because as he prayed through it and we talked through it, he said, looks like God's moving there. I think now is the time. You've been wondering why you haven't known what to do next? It's because God wasn't ready for you to move yet. Now might be the time. So that was the first thing. The second thing is you need to encourage God's people. And that's it. That's it. As we reflect on what it means that we are the church, that we are here because it was Jesus' idea. And we're here because at some point, the church discerned that it was time to build a church and to plant a community here. I also want to encourage you that as we move, as we exist in the world as followers of Jesus, I want to encourage you that we move with the Spirit's power. And I want to fin finish by reading to you this passage from Acts. 
the day of Pentecost came, when they were all together in one place, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were staying. And they saw in the gathering what seemed like tongues of fire come upon them and rest on each one of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues or in languages as the Spirit enabled them. And now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them from places across the known world in that area, across all sorts of different languages, they came and became bewildered because they heard the good news being proclaimed in their own language. How is that possible? These, these people are Galileans, they said. How is it that we can hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed in our own language? How is that possible? And it gives us a list of all the different places and the, the different places and the, and the different tongues that were being spoken. And I, I believe that's a representative list of a, of a great many. And amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? What, is, what does this mean? In verse 13 it says, Some that were gathered, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much to drink. <laughs> they've had too much to drink. They're not, they're not talking in any sort of fancy way based on the Spirit's work. They're drunk. Cut them off. They've had enough. Call them a taxi. Get them home. And Peter stands up and addresses the crowd, and he says, they're not drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Some of them might have responded, well, it's after 5 somewhere in the world. But it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. They're not, they're not drunk. This is exactly what Jesus said would happen. And he quotes the prophet Joel and says, soon a time will come when my spirit will be poured out on all people. And young men will see visions. And old men will dream dreams. And even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. That is, they will speak the truth of God. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. The church exists because it was Jesus' idea. The church exists in the timing that Jesus decided. But be encouraged this morning, church, that we exist not because of our strategies, we exist because of God's power. And I do wonder this morning, church, when was the last time you saw it? When was the last time you experienced it? When was the last time you lived in it? 
I think one of the challenges, I think, for the church in this era is that we're missing the Spirit's power. And it could be because we forgot who called us, and it could be that we forgot the timing. We're not listening well enough. Or it could be that just, we just don't even think it even works anymore. That's an old, that's a New Testament thing. That, you know, like that's a Bible times thing. We, we were a scientific people. Holy Spirit's not a, you know, we're an enlightened people. But friends, we've got to believe it. We've got to believe it. We've got to believe that the Spirit's power is still here, that is present with us, that has the ability to do things that we didn't think were possible. And some of those might be miraculous and in healing, and I've seen that stuff. But sometimes it's just in a heart transformed. Our vision as a church is to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus Christ. You know that. You could have quoted it to me. I know you could have. But who does the transformation? It's not me. It's not my fancy sermons. It's not even our pastoral care or our morning tea. It's not even our expression of community. Who does the transformation? The transformation is done by the gospel of Jesus, the Christ. By His Spirit's power, transformation happens. And so I believe the calling of the church is to place and to pray and to trust the Spirit's power once again and see what it is that God wants to do. Because I believe God wants to move and perhaps all He's waiting for is for us to trust Him, for us to declare like Peter did on that day near Caesarea Philippi. When Jesus turns to you and says, Who do you say that I am? When we can, from our heart, declare, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the one in which all hope is placed. All hope can be placed. I believe in our hearts that when we can do that, we discover and can discover a spirit's power that can do far more than we can ever ask or imagine. So this Pentecost Sunday, would you dare to dream with me? Would you dare to dream with me? Because in those days, young men will see visions. I don't know if I'm young or old yet. Most of you would say I'm young, but the gray hairs start to tell me a different story. It says young men will see visions. They will see pictures of a future. And it says old men. You can decide if you're old or not. We'll dream dreams. We'll dream dreams of all that God wants to do and can do and has done. And so as the church, may may we be a church, may we be called this Pentecost Sunday. To be a church that lives in the truth that Jesus is the Messiah, not just through what we say, but in our hearts. Maybe that's a challenge for you today. Whether you've been coming here for 60 years, 20 minutes, it doesn't matter. Maybe a challenge for you this morning is to declare Jesus' truth in your heart. Or maybe 
It's an opportunity for you to believe in the Spirit's power again. That you have dreams of a time in your faith once where the Spirit did a wonderful work and you stopped believing it. Maybe a challenge for you this morning is what would it take for you to trust again? What would it take? What do you think that God might do with that? Because wherever the gospel goes, so the power of His Spirit goes with it. Let's believe it as a church and let's see what it is God can do to transform His world again. Would you pray with me, church? Loving and gracious God, we thank you for the gift of your spirit into our lives. And Lord, to be honest, that's a mystery. We don't really know how it works, but we trust you with it. Why? Because you said it would happen. And we've seen it. We've seen lives transformed. And Lord, it's not done with eloquence. It's done by the power of your Spirit. Help us as your church to believe again. Give us courage that by your power we might see lives transformed again. Renew our hearts with a a vigor, a fire. (laughs) Place that Spirit's fire upon us once again. If we've lost it, if we've forgotten about it, if we've started trusting in other things. Lord, remind us as your church of your Spirit's power this day that we might hope and see all that it is you want to see happen come to pass in our generation because we declare you as Lord and believe in all that it is you want to do. Give us the courage to step into that this day. In your name we pray. Amen.